Hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Adam Castor, here as always with my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how are you doing? I'm good, Adam. How are you? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Looking forward to the weekend, July 4th. Very exciting. Yes. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. How was your week? Good week? It was good. I uh, you know, watched some good baseball at work. You know, Very nice. Watched. You to see the Mets get a, a 20 spot put on them, but... I had to see the Yankees have a seven spot put on them in the ninth inning. So, well, not see. I didn't watch it because the Yankees are just unwatchable at this moment. Well, also, that game was it was in a rain delay. Well, yes. well it wasn't the same day, though, right? No, it was. It was the same day. The, no, the game resumed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The game resumed, and they lost to the ninth inning. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Fuck the Yankees. Fuck the Braves. Ah, uh, fuck baseball right now. <laughs> just terrible. Just terrible, terrible franchises. I I, I could not agree more. Uh, so we are recording right now at 1.09, soon to be 1.10 p.m. on Friday. And, of course, this is day six of the Ed Bird Soul Football Kid Extravaganza. And to honor the match that is being played right now, it is currently 1-0 to Spain. We are repping the... Arsenal home kit of one Santi Cazola. Oh, Santi Cazola. Great guy. Love him. Absolutely love him. One of my favorite footballers ever. So we are, we are repping uh, Santi Cazola today. Awesome. Awesome. Great guy. Love him. Best Spaniard so, to ever play in the Premier League. Ever. Uh, ever. I don't ever. think. Ever. I, no. Ever. Ever. No. Best Spanish midfielder to ever play in the Premier League. Best Spanish midfield. Best Spanish player to ever play in the Premier League. He may just be the Spanish, the greatest Spanish player of all time. The best Spanish player of all time. Of all time. Yep. You're lucky. Messi's Argentinian. Butragueño, Santi Cazorla. D- d- n- no comparison. <laughs> Fernando Torres at Liverpool. Santi Cazorla. There's just no comparison. It's it's Santi Cazorla, of course. Pep Guardiola in his prime or Santi Cazorla? Absolutely Santi Cazorla, 100%. I think David Silva, when he was bald, and only if you take that sample size, bald David Silva was better than Santi Cazorla. You're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. You that have year lost and a half, the plot. That year have, and a half of David Silva being bald is better than Santi Cazorla. You have lost the plot. Santi Cazorla is brilliant. Hit it with his left. He can hit it with his right. That goal that he scored in the FA Cup final versus Hull at Wembley. Oh, it's one of the great FA Cup final goals of all time. Okay. Bar down over Alan McGregor. What a su- stupendous strike. It was against Hull, though. Hey, we were down 2-0. We were down 2-0 in that FA Cup final. It was James. I think it was James Chester and Curtis Davies put Hull 2-0 up. Then we had to come back from the death. Santi Cazorla, Lauren Koscielny, and then one of the only Aaron Ramsey. Yep. Okay, Bird. I I have one quick question for you. Yes, I forgot about this. That you you did you did hype this up. That you do have a one quick question for me. So I'm I'm very curious to see what this is. Well, I hyped it up uh, off air, but anyway. So my one quick question is something that I saw on the NFL's Reddit page r slash NFL, and it's so interesting. Okay. And it really got me thinking while I was reading it. What 
NFL mystery or conspiracy theory or just thing that we saw that we don't know that we don't know the full story behind, would you like to get to the bottom of? Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there are a lot. Yep. How Jerry Jones has fired himself as Cowboys general manager. That's one. How Jason, uh, how Jason Garrett was head coach for the Dallas Cowboys for 10 years. That's another. I can give you like, I could easily give you like 10. I think that there's like, probably about 10. I'd rather, I want to know like, I, I want to know what the conversation, I want to listen to the conversations that went on between Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. That would be yeah, amazing. That's a good one. I want to know what were on the Spygate tapes. Fair. I want to know what's oh, on Tom Brady. What was on Tom Brady's phone that he decided to destroy it? I was good. Another one I was going to say is what the conversation <laughs> was like when Tom Brady said to Bill Belichick that he was leaving New England. That's one. I want to know the immaculate reception if it was actually a catch. Des Bryant Lambo, but we all know that was a catch. So I don't know if that's that was really a conspiracy theory. Well, that's the that's the weird thing is that the immaculate reception. Every single camera. I just want to see another angle. I want to like. I just want to see another angle because every single video of it, like Franco Harris's hands are slightly out of the shot. <laughs> slightly out of the shot. There are people that'll that'll go to their graves. Most of them Raiders that, fans. That that was not that that was not a catch. Then you have people that'll go to their graves saying that it was a catch. Whereas with Des um, Bryant, everyone everyone knows it was a catch. Speaking of Des Bryant, I, I want to know like the full extent of the Des rules because he had like a babysitter. Basically, he had a like around the clock security his first couple yeah. of years in the NFL. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, let's see what else. What else? Um, hmm. There are a lot of others that I'm just completely forgetting. Uh, anything involving Al Davis? Yes, anything involving Al Davis. Some people said uh, why Russell Wilson didn't audible out of the pass play in the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, that's a great <laughs> one. That's a great one. Um, another one is uh, why Kyle Shanahan blew both of his le- both of the leads in the Super Bowl. Like, I just want to know the thought process. Anything involved in twenty eight to three? Yeah. Anything Literally involved anything. in twenty eight to three in that Super Bowl? I, I I want to know all about it. I hate Kyle Shanahan so much <laughs> for that. Why? He's a great man. Because he gave Tom Brady a Super Bowl. He gifted Bowl. Tom Brady a Super Bowl. This is it's like one of the greatest wins ever. Gave it to him on a silver platter. The I I also I would also say the um, the evolution I guess and the execution of uh, the Philly special. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a fun one. That would be a fun one. Uh, let's see. Oh, I, um, when Tony Romo was told that Dak Prescott would be the starter over him, which led to which led to the letter. Yep. With Tony going in front of the national media and and reading out that letter that he clearly did not write. I just want to see. I wanted. I wish they had put a live cam on Mark Sanchez when the Jets traded for Tim Tebow in 2012. <laughs> yeah, that would have been something. Uh, what else? 
There are a lot. There are a lot of others that we, we Eric Mangini and Bill. I mean, Eric Mangini and Bill Belichick. I want to. I want all everything from that. That's a good one too. Literally everything from that. Uh, Brett Favre. Everything involving Brett Favre from when he left Green Bay to then going to the Jets, then the Vikings. Yep. Yes, please. Everything. Yes, please. This is a very good one. Good question, Adam. I like the, I like this one. I have one more. Okay. The full conversation between who who's the general manager of the Chargers at the time? Was it AJ Smith? That's his it, name. It was. Uh, well, when? In okay, two thousand four. Yes, it was AJ Smith. So I want to know the entire conversation between the Mannings, AJ Smith, and Ernie Corsi for that whole trade with. Eli Manning for Philip Rivers. There was a, a full lot. transcript. Yeah, I, I, a full transcript, full HBO style Last Dance documentary of that. Fly on the wall in that room. Speaking yes. of speaking of flies on the wall, Cowboys going to be on Hard Knocks, baby. Yep. Speaking of HBO style documentaries, also <sighs> Hard Knocks is just it it, it is just outstanding television. Yeah. It is so good. I'm, I'm surprised that the Cowboys are going to – it seems like hard knocks is like one of those things where like teams just – there's some teams that just don't want to do it. Oh, the Cowboys are at the top of the list of teams that want to do it. And, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the Jets to do it this year because I think – I don't know. I mean, it would be nice because then you could see how great of a of a guy – Robert Sala is because I mean, listening to you know, watching videos of him mic'd up, it's really cool. But I mean, when the Jets did it in 2010, it was amazing, it was really, really fun because Rex Ryan's great, and that's when they were uh back when they were practicing at Hofstra. That's right, you know, that that McDonald's that's over there that I've been to like a million times. I have that been was there the same McDonald's. That Jets players had snuck off to during practice, and then Rex Ryan yelled at them for doing that. I think we've we you and I have been to that McDonald's collectively about ten thousand times. Yeah, it's great. And out of late night, you know, out of late night sessions that res, that would result in going to get McDonald's so you can go cram and finish a project at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, been there, done that. Yeah, or at least eleven p.m. when the school of con closes. Yes, that's true. Unless you have the uh, unless you have the uh, the ends where you uh, you could be in the school of calm later than than later than eleven with our boy Fred, good old Fred. What a guy, Fred O'Neill. Um, yeah. So that was a fun one. One quick question. It really gets the mind uh, mind racing, stimulated. Yes, incredible. A lot, so. lot, lot of stimulation going on. So as far as news is concerned, um, a lot of it is surrounding running backs and we're getting a bit of clarity, you know, a couple of, like a week too late, but like still, you know, we're getting a lot of clarity we on hope. a couple of uh, running back situations. You know, Raheem Mostert, he's expected to be the lead back when he's healthy, which is key as long as he's healthy. Cause that's been, that's been his issue. It's not really been performance. He's been really good. He's been pretty good when he's been on the field, but he just hasn't been able to get on the field. Cause exactly this is it. exactly it. He's on the, he's on the field. He'll be good, but it's just when he'll be on the field. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 
he has earned the right to be the main guy, which I'm sure makes Bert. I mean, you can you can listen. Bird's salivating right now. He's he's num 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 num. Jonathan Taylor. Num 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 num. Uh, this one's interesting to me. Zach Moss. He could take over. Zach Moss. Zach Moss. I didn't even say it with the accent. Zach I Moss. I don't want to hear it. Yes, you do. Uh, I hear it at, at every single family function. That accent. Zach Moss. What a guy. Uh, this is per Joe Basaglia of The Athletic. He said that uh, Zach Moss could take over the majority of carries for the Bills if he keeps improving, which would be pretty interesting. I, I mean, I'm not surprised. Uh, I think we've all just kind of realized this, that Buffalo, despite most people, you know, based on the eye test saying that maybe Devin Singletary is the better running back there, they've clearly wanted it to be Zach Moss. And notice how I intentionally made it sound like Moss instead of Moss. Zach Moss. They, they, they want it to be Zach Moss. They they want it to be him. They've always wanted it to be him. They don't trust Singletary enough for him to be the guy. So, I mean, look, I, I'm still not going to be drafting Moss or, or Singletary. I, I'm, I'm not. I want no part. Yep. But and if there is one, I guess after this news, it probably is Moss. Probably. Well, I think one line that's really important in this article or in this like little blurb on fantasy pros is the biggest threat to his fantasy upside is that quarterback Josh Allen is the primary goal line threat on the team. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's not a surprise. That's the takeaway. But I'm saying that's the most important thing you have to take out of this. Josh Allen is the primary goal line threat on the team. Yeah. So you might, you might get like a ton of yards from Zach Moss and or Devin Singletary, but Josh Allen is going to get the, the close touchdowns. I don't see a thousand yard rusher on this team though. Me personally, I I don't see a guy that's going to be a, a 200, 250 carry back. I don't see anybody who's going to be a thousand yard guy. Well, that's the problem. It's empty calories. Cause it's like, you get all these yards, maybe, maybe you get like 20 to 30 yards a game or 20 to yeah. Like 20 to 30 yards a game, maybe 40 or 50. And then you, and then when you get down to the five, to the ten or the five, then it's Josh Allen. The best running back in the team is Josh Allen. Yeah, he's the best running back of the team. If you if you if you want to take anybody that has any sort of rushing ability from the Buffalo Bills, you're taking Josh Allen. You 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 don't want to be going back and forth with the Moss Singletary shenanigans. It it, it is going to be a complete waste of time. Number one. And it's going to cause you more headaches than it's going to be a reward for you. Yeah. I mean, I think that he's still going to be, I think a lot of people kind of feel the same way as us because the bills running game really didn't show anything for, a, from any, they didn't show anything last year. They, they want to didn't. throw the ball. They want to throw the ball. That's the way that football team is, is set up. That's the way it's built. They're going to throw. I, like I said, I don't think that there's a guy in this football team is going to be a sole 250 carry back, even 200. I, I, me personally, I don't see it. 
I wouldn't be shocked if none, if neither Moss or Singletary hits 150. I think, I think one of them will hit 150. I think just more so out of by default, really, that they'll they'll hit 150. But I think 200 is 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 a stretch. Maybe they maybe they barely eclipse 200, but 250. There's no chance. 250. There's absolutely no chance. Yeah. Another interesting situation for running backs. Another interesting situation where you get more clarity on a committee. Damien Harris viewed as the decisive RB1 for the Patriots per Mike Reese. He's interesting. He's interesting. I mean, if you if you like New England enough, where if there's one guy in that backfield who you were going to be taking all along, it was going to be Damien Harris. I, 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 I'm still not crazy about it because I think this offense just generally sucks. I mean, I know there's Johnu. I know there's Hunter Henry. I'm still, I'm, I'm not enthused. I'm not enthused by the offense, but you know, I understand deeper leagues. You got to take chances on some, on some guys. Damien Harris is a guy it's worth taking a shot on. You know, if he can get you 10, 15 carries starting, and then maybe he'll get you a little bit more depending on what the Patriots results are. But yeah, I'm not necessarily super, super, super enthused by, uh, by the news of that Damien Harris is going to be the starter. It's just like, Oh, okay. Well, I think that one thing that could be, that could be drawn out of this is. So Cam Newton is probably going to end up starting the season. Right. You'd think. Oh yeah. 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 Cam's good. Cam is the starter. So can So if Cam's the starter, that probably doesn't mean that Damien Harris will get as much because it's like the same situation with Buffalo because Cam Newton likes to run the ball. And so is Josh Allen. So it might not mean as much for Damian Harris. But then once Mac Jones comes in, if if Mac, well, listen, I think Bill Belichick is probably going to be like, you know, at this point, we want to start competing for well, playoffs. If the, team, spot, if the, if the team's good, spot. if the team's good, then it's going to be Cam. Well, listen, if they're like two and six That's by week time. eight, but then, but if they're two and six come week eight. Damien Harris is probably off of your roster by then. Because that yep. means that he's not getting enough where, you know, if they're losing late in games, they're not going to be running the ball as much. So if they're two and six, Damien Harris is probably off of your roster. More than likely. So, oh, wow, the Patriots have a really fucking late bye week. They is it, are, Was it like week 13? 14. 14. If they're going into... Their game against if they're going into Carolina, okay. How about this? If they go into their road into their mini road trip of Los Angeles and Carolina, so they play the Jets week seven. They're home against against the Jets. If they're four and three, let's say mm-hmm. after that stretch of games where they're playing Miami, the Jets twice, New Orleans, Tampa Bay at Houston, and home against Dallas. Sure. And home against the Jets. Um, if they're four and three after that, do you think that the Patriots go with Mac Jones? No. They stay with Cam. Okay. I think they stay with Cam. I think the team has to be absolutely horrific for them to go to Mac Jones. Okay. 
So I think the later the later the Patriots can go without playing Mac Jones, the better off Mac Jones is going to be. I don't think the Patriots, they start, let's say they start 0-3 and they go to Mac Jones in week four. I don't think that helps him. Now, Mac Jones could enter week four. He could become the, the you know, the, the second coming of Brady. Possible. Oof. It's possible. Oof. But me personally, I, I don't see it. I think he's a guy who needs to sit. He needs to learn the deal. And uh, realistically, uh, the best thing for him is say the Patriots are Say they're two wins below 500. They got two or three games left in the season. They know that it's an outside chance of making the playoffs. That's when you play Mac Jones. Somewhere in that last two, three game window. That's where I think the ideal opportunity is to play Mac Jones. But as we've seen in the past, teams get very, very antsy when it comes to wanting their young quarterbacks to get onto the field and play. So would it surprise me if Mac Jones is the starter for the Patriots come week five, week six? No. It wouldn't surprise me one bit, but then again, it is the Patriots. So I, I yeah. think that they're going to do the right thing in terms of not rushing Mac Jones onto the field right away. Well, if they're going to play, I think, well, where I was going with this is if Mac Jones ends up playing for new England, I think that means it's better for Damian Harris because I think that new England's going to want to lean more on the running game as you do with a lot of rookie quarterbacks. Um, it could be. It could be. But again, it, it, I think if they're going with Mac Jones, I don't know how good this football team is going to be. So you're kind of, you're kind of hand, you're kind of handcuffing yourself to really needing Damian Harris to score before the game gets ugly and New England is forced to throw the ball. And we know Damian Harris is not the kind of guy that's going to get you super receptions. I actually think my favorite running back out of that backfield is James White. That's who I think my favorite is. As it usually usually is. He's I mean, my, if you he's my super safe guy. What do I'm going to say? Yeah, I mean, he hasn't. Damian Harris is kind of like is definitely underwhelmed in the receiving numbers. He only has five catches. In his yeah. career for 52 yards. Yeah, he's not a pass catching running back. He's he's not. That's that's James White's MO. Yeah. And um, I mean, they brought James, they could have easily just let James White go to Tampa Bay, but they, they brought him back for, for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they plan on using him. I would hope. I mean, yeah. So even though I think really, you know, you read this, James White's viewed to be the number one running back. I don't believe that coming from Bill Belichick. No, no, it's, I don't, I honestly, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a clear, a clear number one. I think the only thing that's guaranteed is maybe Damian Harris gets the first touch every game. That's probably it out of the running backs is that Harris is the guy getting the ball first. And then after that, it's just kind of crapshoot. And like, how much does that matter? Really? You're just getting the ball. Doesn't matter much. Yeah. I mean, that's why I don't love, I don't love the Patriots here. I think there's, if you ask me what I believe in more or what I would buy into in Zach Moss becoming the guy in Buffalo or Damian Harris becoming the guy in new England, I would buy into Zach Moss becoming the guy in Buffalo more than I would buy into Damian Harris becoming the guy for new England. I think Damian Harris can be the guy. 
But I think all this is saying really is that Damian Harris is going to be the first guy to touch the ball. And then it's just kind of, you know, whatever happens from there happens from there. Who would you rather have out of the two of them? Moss or Damian Harris? Yeah. Moss. Okay. Moss. I'd rather have Moss also. Yeah, I, I, I think I'd rather have Singletary over Harris as well. I got to keep my tradition of never having a New England Patriot on my team alive. But also well, – It'll be easy this year. Yeah, it will be easy this year. But also uh, Zach Moss is better. Zach Moss and Singletary are better than Damian Harris at this point in time. I don't know. Well, I don't know if they're better. They're just in better situations. Harris, Harrison Singletary is a little closer. Harrison Singletary is a little bit closer, but Harris versus Moss is is not. That's not close at all for me. Okay. Um, you know this next this last bit of news really does fit into our discussion. AJ Brown is still recovering from off season knee surgery. He missed the uh, off-season workouts to continue recovering from surgery. I mean, he got surgery on both of his knees. How crazy is that, by the way? That A.J. Brown put up the season that he did where he said he – didn't he say, like, I basically played on a torn ACL the entire year? Pretty much. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and he had, he had the year that he did. And he had the, he had the, he had a career year. He had a career year. Yep. And there are a lot of people who have very high hopes for him in uh, in 2021, myself included, which we will obviously be talking about A.J. Brown, at least for one of us. One of us will be talking about A.J. Brown. The yes. other one will not. I'll, it's such uh, – I just – it's tough. Save it. I will. I will. I'm, I'm going to. I'm, I will bite my tongue. Good. Just don't bleed everywhere. Oh, God. Anyway – so uh, let's move on to our top 10 receiver discussion. And super, uh, super duper, super, super duper. Do you want to go from one to 10, 10 to one, one to 10, one to 10. Okay. One to 10. I mean, there's some controversy off the top, but. Is there though? Some people there might be. For okay. some people, there might be some controversy. Not necessarily between us. No, no, we actually agree on this one. Um, our top receiver is Terry Kill. It would be Devontae Adams if I had clarity that Aaron Rodgers was going to be there. Yeah. It would be Adams if I had that assurance. But as of right now, there is no guarantee. And I have to go with Tyreek as my number one receiver. Now, the... The question that I've gotten a lot of is, well, where realistically should Tyreek Hill be going or where should the wide receiver one be going in drafts? And really, it, it just comes down to how you feel about taking a receiver over one of the running backs. I know on Fantasy Pros, they have Tyreek Hill down as the number six overall player in PPR. So he'd be going sixth off the board, according to Fantasy Pros. I have Tyreek Hill as my number nine overall player. So I have Tyreek Hill a bit lower than eight running backs. I have My first eight picks are all running backs. So really, it just depends on how you feel about the guys that are going to be going 
in Tyreek Hill's range. You're going to be, you're going to have to make a decision maybe about Tyreek Hill versus a Saquon Barkley. Tyreek Hill versus a, maybe you have to make a decision about Tyreek Hill versus Derrick Henry. It's possible. Oh. Maybe you have to make that call. In what universe? And be, I, me personally, that's easy. That's easy for me. I'm taking Henry. That, yeah. That's, that's very, very, very easy. You take the premium position. That's my, my philosophy. You always exactly. take the premium position. I agree. A Tyreek Hill. This is a great one. This is one that someone actually asked me. A Tyreek Hill or Ezekiel Elliott. That's a very tough one because that you have one. You have Zeke who is kind of in a, I don't want to say he's in flux, but he's in an interesting situation. And then you have Tyreek Hill who most people, a lot of people are going to say is the crop of the wide receivers. And as we all know that the running back position, it gets very thin, very quick. So is the, say the seventh or eighth running back better for you to have on your team over the number one wide receiver. That's a decision that you have to make. It makes it interesting. Also when you're in a PPR scenario, because you know, with thumb on the scale in favor of wide receivers, but I still think you got to take the premium position, especially this year with running backs where you just, after you get to 10, we saw it after you get to 10, it's just there, there isn't much. It doesn't really pay to, it doesn't pay to wait for running backs and you well, need to build your team about around something. Well, I would, it's I would tough, say though. that you're still, there's still value out there it's outside the top 10 running backs though. There, there's still value, but it definitely oh, yeah. does get, thin very quick i mean you, you have to make a decision for yourself would you rather build your team around say say you're in a, in a say you're picking at the six and you have your choice of would you rather in a 12 in a 12 12 team league would you rather have a team built around tyree kill and hmm say tyree kill and nick chubb or Ezekiel Elliott and Justin Jefferson. If you want to go running back receiver, let's say. Um, Tough choice. That's a very tough tough choice. Yeah. I think in that example, in that specific example, I would take Hill and Chubb. But if you don't get Chubb, it gets a little, a little dicey. Yeah, because then at that point, you're probably waiting on Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins in that range. Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon. Well. Miles Sanders, even. Clyde, if you like him enough. But if you have Tyreek already, I don't think you would go Tyreek Hill, Clyde, just because, you know, two Kansas City Chiefs, not exactly ideal to have the two on the same team, but to each their own. Well, yeah, I mean, for for some teams, it's not ideal to have that kind of stack because of you know bye weeks. But those, if I had to pick two Kansas City Chiefs to have on my fantasy team, I wouldn't pick those two. I'll tell you that; those two would not be my first picks. Nope, no, no, that would not be my first two picks either. I mean, if you're sitting there, you could take Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. What a team that would be! Yeah. Problem is you would have no running backs to speak of, but you would have the Kansas City Chiefs number two guys. So 
Yeah, you you basically have to be a per you basically have to have prior knowledge that uh of like a running back that will break out in 2021. Yeah, pretty much. Or two running yeah. backs to break out in 2021. You'll need to hit. And then get them in like the 10th round. Yeah, you'll you'll need to hit on a running back at some point. Otherwise, your team is going to be completely screwed unless you think Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey is going to carry you. Well, that would be fascinating. That'd it would be. be. F- but- it would be. But, I mean, Tyree Kill, we, we know what Tyree Kill is by now. I can't stand him. Um, I've never had success when I've had Tyree Kill. I'm conflicted on him. Sometimes I like him. Sometimes I don't. Oh, I don't like him. I don't like him. He just, he doesn't, he's never done anything for me. He's never done anything for me, but he's a guy that'll be a 9,500 catch receiver. Uh, He'll have your, he'll have his boom weeks. He'll have his down weeks, but overall, this is a guy 95 to hundred catches in the range of 1300 yards. And he'll probably have double the touchdowns. I mean, and he's catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. So that, I think, yeah. that takes the cake. I think that's probably why – maybe that's why you said that there was some controversy at the top because I think people probably don't like Tyreek Hill at the one spot because of how streaky he is. Yeah, but I think it's also – you know, it, it also comes down to would you rather have streaky and available or very good and sometimes not available with Adams? Right. I would – much much rather have the guy that's available. I, I, I'll, I'll listen, take the two or the three some weeks if he can. Then we'll come back next week and give me a twenty-five or a thirty. Listen, I have Tyree Kill one two, so or one as well. I have Tyree Kill at my one spot as well. So, you know, I agree with you. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to see the other Play side. Play devil's of it. advocate. Yes. Play devil's yes. advocate. See the other side. But I, I still think that you know Tyreek Hill is great. I mean, he he is maddening at times, kind of frustrating. When I, I mean, listen, I had him in 2017 where he literally alternated good weeks. He alternated good and bad weeks. He did. You aren't kidding. Lit, the literally look at his stat line. It is actually ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to bring back some bad memories, but I'm going to do. But I'm going to look at this. God. You're just gonna torture yourself, going, going, and looking back at uh, at Tyreek Hill and the one week good, one week bad, one week good, one week bad. Well, actually, after the bye week, it wasn't terrible. But so here's how. Here's what it was. Week one against New England, twenty six point eight. Week two against Philadelphia, eight point nine. Week three against the Chargers, twenty. Week four against the the football team. 8.5. Week 5 against Houston, 10.8. He had a kick return touchdown. That's why it was that good. There you go. I remember that. That was a Sunday night game. That was fun. Um, week 6 against Pittsburgh, 7.5. Week 7 against the, the Raiders, 25.2. Week 8 against Denver, 3.8. 3.8. That's Oof. terrific. Week 9 against Dallas, 15.3. And then bye week. And then against the Giants, 15.4. Against the Bills, 12.4. Against the Jets, fun game that was. Uh, three, Because, th- yeah. 
the Jets were supposed to be terrible that year, and then they lost to the Chiefs, and then they beat the Chiefs. Uh, 30, 36.5 against the Jets. Uh, week 14 against the home against the Raiders, this time 11.5. Week 15 against the Chargers, 19.8. Week 16 against the Dolphins, 16.8. So, yes, very, very, very streaky. And that was when I had, and that was when I first had him. And last year, I mean, it was still kind of streaky, but he was still good. You know, the one dud week was definitely week six at Buffalo. That was that Monday night game. He was not good at all. I think I lost yeah, Buffalo. Yeah. I think I lost that week because Terry Hill was so bad against Buffalo. That's a pity. Um, if you had him for your championships, he wasn't great then either. He had 10.5 points against the Falcons at home. Yeah, I remember that game too. That was yeah. a very good game. But then you have at Tampa Bay, 57.9. Yep. You take the good with the bad with Tyreek Hill. That's it. That's the name of the game. How much risk are you willing to stomach? See, this is this is what minimizing risk is all about. Yeah, but I don't know. Before we move on to number two, I don't think if this I don't think this is risk though. I actually think this is safe. I think going for the number six, number seven, number eight running back, depending on who it is. I mean, if, if it's Tyreek Hill or Jonathan Taylor, then I'm taking Jonathan Taylor. But if it's Tyreek Hill versus, like I said, Ezekiel Elliott, I think the safer play there is to go Tyreek Hill. But what's better for roster construction in the year of our Lord 2021 is taking the running back. Well, you, that's yeah. just a decision that's, that's going to be very tough. Be very, very, very tough. You have to factor that in because you're not making these uh, decisions in a vacuum. And you have to know that you have to look at every single position. You can't just, even though, you know, in our episodes, we isolate positions. We can't, you can't isolate positions on draft day. Cannot. You have to, you have to prioritize. Absolutely. Absolutely right. So number two. We both have Devontae Adams. Yeah, and this, this is, is and this was a hard one too, because I just said, you know what? Something tells me that at that Rogers will be there and that Adams will be, go back up to being my number one receiver. So I just ranked him here at number two. Um Devontae's great. Devontae's great. You know what you're getting out of him. When he when he's on the field, he he just blows everybody away. Everybody away in terms of being the best receiver in the National Football League, but it's when he's on the field. That that's the biggest problem. It is when he's on the field, and you know he'll presumably he'll have more help this year with the Packers going out drafting Amari Rodgers or less yeah. help. You have Marquez, yeah, well maybe less help if Aaron Rodgers is not there. If Aaron Rodgers is not there, then Devontae Adams. I'm, I'm I'll be very curious to see where Devontae Adams is going if Aaron Rodgers is not there. I'll be very curious. That's kind of this is the caveat for the whole thing is, you know, what is Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers is there, who, which is the best receiver in the National Football League? And then what is Devontae Adams if Aaron Rodgers is not there? Yeah, which I is, mean, you know, no, we don't know. Right. Is he going to be like, you know, how he was at Fresno State with Derek Carr? I mean, is he just 
going to be, is he quarterback proof like Allen Robinson? Um, I think if it is Jordan Love, I think I would rank Devontae Adams probably in, he would still be a top 10 guy for me, but he would not be a top five. I think he'd be like a seven to eight range, which, which, which sounds ridiculous considering it is Devontae Adams, but I, I just don't trust the whole Jordan Love coming in, saving the day sort of thing. Well, here, here's something. So we're going back to 2017 again. Because sure. you know what happened in 2017? Uh, was that when Devontae Adams had 10 touchdowns and it was very good? Well, yes. Crucially, what happened to the person who threw who throws him the ball? Oh, that's true. Aaron Rodgers was hurt. Aaron Rodgers, Anthony Barr broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone. That's true. That is very true. So and the year after is when Devontae Adams had his first thirteen hundred yard season. Correct. For his first thousand yard season, really, he was three yards short in twenty sixteen. There you go. Um, but no, so 2017, he had 74 catches, 885 yards and 10 touchdowns. So very good. It is very good. I mean, is that in 14 games also? And that was, also, <laughs> I believe that was with Brett Hundley. Yeah. Most of it was with Brett, with Brett Hundley. I is think Jordan, is Jordan Love better league. than Brett Hundley? Well, we don't know that. That's that's the point is, you know, how much of a risk are you going to be willing to take with Devontae? And for me, the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. Because we all know how good he is. We all know how good he is, but we all, we've all seen what happened with Michael Thomas. You take Drew Brees away from Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, you know, we're barely talking about him as a top 10 guy. You take Aaron Rodgers away from Devontae Adams. I mean, what does that do for him? Yeah, it's it's the same. It's the same situation. We know how good Devontae Adams is. We know how good Michael Thomas is, but they would they they're Michael Thomas doesn't have the guy that made him a star, and Devontae Adams would be basically without the guy that made him a star. Yeah, I mean that. I mean that's going to be the interesting thing for this year. But at least we know. We have a we have an idea of who Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill are as quarterbacks. We just don't know who what Jordan Love is going to be like at the NFL level because he didn't he barely even made the bench last year because he had COVID. He for the did entire make, year. Yeah, I don't think he made the bench. I think he was basically third string and he was practice field quarterback sort of. He thing. was redshirted essentially. Yeah, he had a redshirt year. Yeah, he didn't make the you know he. He, like I said, he had COVID, he had COVID complications for the entire year. We were all wondering, like during every single preview and review, we're like, what the hell is going on with Jordan Love? And that's what it was. Yep. Yeah, he dealt with that. He had his red shirt year. And now we could be talking about Jordan Love becoming the starting quarterback for the Packers. Listen, that place is a fucking factory for starting quarterbacks. I'm sure he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer (laughs) just because that's what Green Bay does. That is what they do. They just produce quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. Must be nice. They should. They should be. Uh, the Jets should be going out and trying to. They should hire, be donating uh, quarterbacks quarterback to the coach. less fortunate. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Dallas does the same thing. Dallas took a uh, undrafted guy and made him the best quarterback in Cowboys history, and then they drafted a guy in the fourth round known as Dakota Rain Prescott and turned him into a superstar. Wait, you think Tony Romo is the best quarterback in, Fran- in Dallas Cowboys history? Absolutely. Maybe statistically. Absolutely. Do you think he's better than Staubach and Aikman? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Absolutely. He never won a championship. The difference is Staubach and Aikman had teams. Staubach and Aikman were better than Romo in terms of making guys around them better, especially Aikman. Aikman made guys around him better. Roger Staubach made Drew Pearson better. Whereas with Romo, Romo needed talent around him to be very good. He was not going to be the guy that was going to make everybody good. But based on his own individual talents, Tony Sounds like you're making my argument for me. No, Tony is amazing. Tony is amazing. He was just not going to be the guy that was going to put the team on his back and do it by himself. But on an individual talent level, Roman was amazing. Roma was amazing. Better than Eli. Probably. And way better than Joe Namath. No. Way better. No. What? You know when- what? What has Joe Namath done besides call one stupid game? What do you mean? He, had to, he played, he threw for 4,000 yards in 14 games. That's what he did when murder was legal. I repeat what I said. What has Joe Namath done besides call one stupid game? Well, he basically facilitated. He won the most important Super Bowl in NFL history. Nothing. He won the most important Super Bowl in NFL history. Nothing. Because if the Jets hadn't won that Super Bowl, then the merger would not have happened. Oh, so we got to, we have to thank the Jets. Yes. Fuck the Jets. Yes. You do. Fuck the Jets. All right, number three. He also sold his soul to the devil for that Super Bowl, by the way, which is why all the all, all this is happening. Bless his heart, then. Still awful. Joe William Namath. Um, number three. Sticking to the AFC East, kind of. Um, Stephon Dix. Pretty simple. You know, Pretty simple here. Is it insulting to say he's the best of the rest? Uh, no, no, it is not insulting to say that. I think he is the clear, he's the clear cut number three receiver. Uh, he's a guy that's going to be in an offense that's going to pass at an extremely high clip. I think it is well within reason that we see Josh Allen drop back in the range of 550, 600 times again. And Savon Diggs is going to be the primary beneficiary of Josh Allen doing his thing. So, yeah, Stephon Diggs will be a hundred yard guy, a hundred yard guy. Yeah, he'll be a hundred yard guy. Draft him number three, number three overall, or third receiver overall. And he's gonna be a hundred yard receiver. He'll be a hundred. He'll be a hundred catch guy. Hmm. He'll get you. He'll get you in the tune of eleven, twelve hundred yards. And he's he's gonna be, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be great because he's in an offense that passes an extremely high clip. And if you want a volume play, a floor play, someone's gonna be safe and offer you the the immense week to week upside. That's Stephon Diggs in a nutshell. Also, also, I mean, who else is in Buffalo that they can throw uh, to? Sanders, who's going to yeah. take the John Brown role. And then, I mean, now there is huge question marks over Cole Beasley. Yeah. 
and whether or not he's going to play. Um, so, you know, if it is Diggs and, you know, say, say it's Gabriel Davis and they put Sanders in the slot, I, I, no, there's nothing there that's really scaring me in terms of Diggs continuing to get his. Yeah, and that's the thing is that the, the Bills don't really have a lot with receivers, but that doesn't really matter. You know, they're going to – teams are going to play game plan around stuff on digs, and that's not going to matter. It won't matter. It won't matter. He's just that good. He's that good, and I think Josh Allen is that good. Now, now people have always – are asking me, you know, what, is, what does regression look like for Josh Allen? I mean, let's just say Josh Allen – let's say Josh Allen regresses a little bit. And, and, and that's – a reasonable enough expectation that Josh Allen is going to come back down to earth from the year that he had last year. 4,600 yard passer for the most part. His rushing stats off the charts with the, I believe it was eight rushing touchdowns last year. Then he had nine the year before, then eight the year before. Well, I wouldn't say his rushing stats were off the charts, actually. They were kind of, honestly, they were kind of just the same as 2019. Well, with the touchdowns, with the touchdowns, but, you know, realizing that he had basically been an eight, nine rushing touchdown guy throughout his career, it's probably reasonable enough to expect those rushing numbers again. But the passing is where I think a lot of people expect the drop off. I mean, him going from about an 85.3 QB rating in 2019 to about 107.2 in 2020, I think people expect a drop off. Maybe he just goes back down and settles as like in like the 95 to 100 range. That's like a Barry Bonds from Pittsburgh to San Francisco, like, oh yeah, in from one year to the next, I'm going to throw for 1,500 more yards and 17 more touchdowns and one more pick. Barry Bonds is amazing. Barry Bonds was great in Pittsburgh. He was great in San Francisco. He didn't need the steroids. He did not need the steroids. Dude was amazing. But he Put him a- in the hall. Put him in the hall of fame. Anywho, yeah, Josh Allen is going to be fine. Josh Allen will be 100% fine. Do not worry about Josh Allen. Do not worry about Stephon Diggs. Buffalo is going to be a fantasy hotspot for for a lot of people, especially with these two, with Allen and and, and Diggs. Okay, I do listen. Isn't it like a little kind of like you look at these stats? It's like it's crazy when you see this, when you see such a such a steep uh, jump in production from well, a player. Good. It's it's concerning. People, I think people have a right to be a little bit, you know, cautious about going and do it again and investing. But yeah, it's about doing it again. Do it but again. I think I think the big difference is the big jump is because of Stephon Diggs. Yes, Buffalo went out and got Josh Allen, his number one receiver, and it shouldn't come as a surprise that when you get a young quarterback with immense potential a true out-and-out number one receiver, like that quarterback has a substantial jump in terms of his production. It shouldn't surprise anybody. Take notes, New York Jets. Yeah, that's why we got Corey Davis. Absolutely, great guy. Greatest receiver of all time. Eat your heart out, Jerry Jones. I mean, yeah, Jerry Jones, for no reason. Eat your heart out, Jerry Rice. Adam? Yeah. We'll move on to number four. We made a massive boo-boo. What happened? 
We didn't rank Corey Davis as the number one receiver. You know what? You're absolutely right. Cancel the show. Sorry, guys. Cancel the show. We 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 messed up. We hold our hands up. We are absolutely accountable for this act of absolute lunacy and this is an atrocity of the highest extent, highest letter of the law. Um, Adam and I are going to sign off for the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. We're going to turn ourselves into the appropriate authorities. Sorry, you guys have to do your drafts yourself. You have to prepare for your drafts yourselves. Bird and I clearly cannot be trusted. We are going. We're going to be on trial. Yeah, we're turning ourselves into the fantasy cops. The fantasy cops. Fantasy police. Who would run? Who's the chief? Who's the fantasy chief of police? Is it Matthew Barry? It might be Matthew Barry. <laughs> we're turning ourselves in. It might be. Might, might actually be Field Yates. Actually, it might be. Field Yates, like the the fantasy football Jedi Council is Field Yates, Stefania Bell, and Matthew Berry. Field no, Field Yates, Field Yates could uh, sell himself as John F. Kennedy. Handsome man. Hey, very handsome man. Game game recognized game. I salute you. So anyway, Corey Davis is number one receiver. From Best one handsome man to another. Let's go to number four. And here's where the differences start. Hallelujah, finally. Uh, you have Calvin Ridley, and I yep. have DeAndre Hopkins. That's not a huge... Um, I am I, not going to go and blast you for having Hopkins at four. I think it's fine. Uh, me with Ridley, I just think he's in an offense that I think is going to be more pass-heavy. Then Arizona, I think Arizona is going to be a better team than Atlanta. And there'll be times in games where, you know, Arizona will want to run the ball a bit more, take less pressure off of Kyler. Whereas with Atlanta, they may have to throw a little bit more. So I think, uh, you know, it's it's within reasonable expectation possibly to see, you know, Calvin Ridley getting more receptions than DeAndre Hopkins or at least being very, very close to having the uh, same number of receptions between the uh, the two guys, but I have I have Ridley down for 103 receptions versus DeAndre Hopkins, who I have down for I have him down for 102 receptions. Okay, yeah. So I have I I have them basically being the same guy, being the same same exact guy. But really, I'll be completely honest with you. Four, five, six of Ridley, Robinson, Hopkins, spoiler alert, are very interchangeable. Because I, I, I love them all. Yeah, I mean, they're they're great. And I don't know. So I was uh, – this, this was a couple weeks ago when I, I was looking at this. But – and Adam, you could tell me if – if it is or if it isn't, or if I'm, I'm just baking this up, I think Fantasy Pros had DeAndre Hopkins projected for 121 receptions. I actually which, just checked that. And yeah, they do. 121.3. That's absurd. And 1,500 or 1,459.4 receiving yards. Now, now, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. If you're going off of those projections, right, and you're going off of – DeAndre Hopkins being a 120 catch guy in PPR. 
why are we not talking about DeAndre Hopkins being the number one receiver? That's a very good question. With 121 projected catches, I don't have him projected that way. I have him projected for a buck too. But still, that's a huge difference between their assessment of Hopkins and my assessment of Hopkins. I think Hopkins is going to be very good. He's always very good. But 121 receptions, that's a lot. Here's the here's the thing. Here's the interesting thing. Yeah. That's actually not too far off from his first season in Arizona. Oh, last he had, year. He had a fantastic season last year. Fantastic season last year. But I just – me personally, I just don't see – Hopkins having that level of production again when Arizona is going to want to run the ball a little bit more. I think really it's they're basically they're projecting him at like his 2018 Texans season, which was absurd. Where he had 115 catches, 1,572 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Yeah. Absurd. I mean, I could, I, I realistically, I could see 110 catches from him, but 121, that's a lot. It's a lot of catches. It's a lot. But also, I mean, you look at his targets and it's actually, it's also absurd. I mean, he had 160 targets last year. Yeah. Yeah. 160 targets is a lot. Is a lot, a lot. I, I still don't think that DeAndre Hopkins is going to have as good of a season as they're projecting, though. I mean, that would be pretty nuts. He'll be good. He'll be really good. He'll be super consistent. Oh, yeah, of course he will be. He'll be super consistent. He has been for a while. But, you know, I I also have questions about Kyler. That's also part of the apprehension for me to just go all in on Hopkins is not knowing how good Kyler is. I, he's good, but I don't, I don't know if he's great. But the durability issues are a major, major problem. Yeah, I mean, you Kyler. don't... It's a major, major, major issue. You don't get to just a shade over 10,000 receiving yards in your career by not being good. Correct. Correct. DeAndre is very good. He's really, yeah. really good. He's great. And 60 touchdowns, even, also. Yeah, very true. So... Okie dokie. Number five. Would you say your number five was? Or who would you say your number five was? Alan Robinson. My best friend. Your best friend. My best friend in the entire world. This is where I have Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm I'm way higher on Alan Robinson than a lot of people are. Um I mean people just want to doubt Alan Robinson again. And I like Alan Robinson. He's pretty close. He's pretty close. To uh, where you have him, so yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not slandering him. He was, he was on pace pretty much his three seasons that he's been in Chicago. He has only missed three games, and that was in 2018. And if he had played in those three games, he would have been in the range of 145 to 150 targets, which he's done the previous two seasons in Chicago. 154 targets in 2019, 151 targets in 2020. Dude's a hundred catch guy. This is a hundred catch guy in his sleep. He's going to get you high 11, low 1200 yards, and he'll get you six, seven touchdowns. 
That's what he does. That's what he does. You want a consistent week-to-week rock that could blow up on certain games but will be very, very steady with the amount of receptions that he's going to get and and is in a contract year playing under the tag. This is your guy, Allen Robinson, number five receiver. This, this is the guy. Yeah, I, for me, I mean, you know, all you said, whatever you said about Calvin Ridley, I agree with. I think I said that. Um, but, like, as far as Allen Robinson, I mean, I have him at seven. I have Metcalf at six. And, you know, that's, like, subject to change because I think that – I think looking back on it, I probably would put um, Robinson at six and Metcalf at seven just because I think that Allen Robinson – Listen, I predicted him. Didn't I predict him to be like a top top five receiver? Something like that. Yeah, I haven't I haven't projected a five. So I I think he's gonna be really good. He's gonna be really, really good. The thing the thing with Robinson versus Metcalf, though, is I'm I'm lower on Metcalf than a lot of people are. I like him. I like him, but I'm not I'm not super, super hot on Metcalf like a lot of people are. I think he'll be fine. I'm not gonna say he's gonna be a bust, but I'm just lower on Metcalf than the consensus is. I think the interesting thing about this is that, and we're going to see this as we get more into the later part of the top 10 is how fucking hard making a top 10 receivers list is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard. I mean, there were a lot of tough choices, a lot of tough choices. Yeah. But you know, with the projections handy, it made it a little bit easier. I mean, there'll be some guys that'll be left out or people will be coming at my jugular for it, but it's just the way it works. It's, it's, it's numbers. It's numbers and the numbers that add up. These are the guys that I have. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it comes down to personal preference as well. So I mean, I can tell you there was, there was one player when, and ask me about it at the end, in case I forget, there's one player that, I had projected as a top 10 receiver, but I did not rank as a top 10 receiver just based on personal gut. Okay. Well, that's it. That's very interesting. I'm kind of, I'm curious to see who that player is. We'll find out. I think I might know who it is. Corey Davis, of course. It's Corey Davis. Haven't projected my number one receiver. How dare you? 300, you 300 million catches. 1.5 trillion yards. Only 1 million touchdowns. No. 69 touchdowns. Nice touchdowns. My friend, my compatriot, my colleague, Corey Davis. Love Corey Davis. Great guy. Uh, number six. Number six, I said, is DK Metcalf for me. My guy is DeAndre Hopkins. And then... Okay, so my uh, I have Metcalf later. All right, so we talked about Hopkins already. Well, well, let's talk about Metcalf. The thing that I have with Metcalf is it's the offense that he's in where I, me personally, I don't trust Seattle enough. We've talked about it time and time again in this program. I do not trust Seattle to do the right thing, which is let Russ cook. I don't trust him to do it. Now, do I think that Metcalf is going to be bad? Like I said before, 
No, I don't think DK Metcalf is going to be bad. This is a 23-year-old receiver that is coming off a breakout year. I mean, by all accounts, breakout year. 1,300-yard receiver last year to the tune of 10 touchdowns. I expect for him he's going to be pretty much the same guy this upcoming year. I think he'll have an uptick in receptions. I think he'll be an 85-90 catch guy off of the 83 that he had last year. I think he's going to be a 1,300-yard receiver again. And I think he'll get you 10 touchdowns. The problem that I have with Metcalf is this. He's going to be going up against Jalen Ramsey twice. Do you feel comfortable enough to play Metcalf twice against Ramsey? There are not many guys in the National Football League that I would trust to do that. Metcalf is not one of them. Even though Metcalf did have a nice performance in the playoff game versus the Rams against Ramsey, I don't trust Metcalf to do it yet. I do trust Hopkins to do it. So that's part of the reason why I have Hopkins above Metcalf. Because Hopkins, there is never a time where I would consider sitting Hopkins. This is where in my ranks, I get to guys where if they are in tough, tough matchups, I'm sending them. Metcalf is the starter for me. Where if Metcalf goes up against Ramsey, I'm probably going to sit him. Whereas yeah. A.J. Brown, Hopkins, Robinson, Ridley, Diggs, Adams, Hill, I'm never setting those guys, ever. I'm never setting them. That's understandable because, you know, past the past has proven that, yeah, that uh, Jalen Ramsey shuts down D.K. Metcalf in the great game of NFL Rock, Paper, Scissors. This is true. I mean, let's just look at the matchups that he had against Ramsey last season. He had week 10 at the Rams. He had two catches for 28 yards on four targets. And then week 16 versus the Rams, he had six catches for 59 yards. That's not great. That's not great. So, take that for what you will. Yeah, I think also last year or two years ago. So, Jalen Ramsey was traded from the uh, Jaguars to the Rams in the middle of 2019, correct? Correct. So, uh, week 14, the Seahawks travel to the Rams and they lose. 20, uh, 28 to 12. DK yeah. Metcalf was held to six catches for 78 yards. And that's it. Question is, was he, was he drawn against Ramsey, though? That I don't know. I'm just looking at the stat line. That's a question that I would have, is if he, if he was drawn against Ramsey. But that's still not good, though. No. Still, yeah. No, it's not great. It's not great, but that's better than the majority of receivers put up against Ramsey. That's also true. I mean, you look at the Seahawks schedule this year, the corners that he's going up against 
He's going up against Ramsey uh, twice. Yep. You know, he's going up against – he's playing the Colts who have a good defense. He's going up against Patrick Peterson in week three. Yeah, but Peterson Peterson doesn't scare me like he did. Anymore. No. Um, you know, Jair, uh, Jair Alexander. That, that'll be a good down. matchup for him. That'll be tough. Um, I mean, the Bears have a good defense, have a solid defense. Yeah, very solid defense. His yearly, his bi yearly matchup with Buda Baker. Yeah, that's true. How many times, how many times when, uh, the, Cardinals and Seahawks game is on. Do they talk about the uh, the run back from Metcalf? I don't know. Probably chase like, down like ten times. Ten times during the broadcast. Ten. I think I'd set the over under at thirteen and a half. <laughs> um, you know the Titans have a good defense as well. So, you know, I don't know. D- DK Metcalf just has a tough schedule. He's a really yeah, tough he's got schedule. The- He's got the second toughest schedule for uh, receivers. The only cupcake really I can see here, the only true cupcake I can see here is Houston in week 14. What week? 14. Oh, God. All right, so that could be some people. Some people need to get into playoffs. They could have DK go up against the Texans. Oh, boy. But then you look at his oh playoff boy. schedule. You look at his playoff schedule. Uh, week fifteen, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yikes! Week sixteen, the Bears. But then, if you make it that far to week seventeen for your championships, he gets to be home against the Lions. Against Okuda. Hmm. That is true. Also, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough draw. It's a really tough draw. But, you know, Metcalf is Metcalf. And if you believe that Metcalf is truly, you know, corner proof outside of Jalen Ramsey, then Metcalf will be great. But you have, you have to believe that. You basically, and that's the thing. You have to really kind of, you have to have the thought in your mind. You have to come to terms with the fact that May, the that uh, Jalen Ramsey is just going to have his way with DK Metcalf. The thing is, go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Well, I'm saying like y- you need to be prepared for that. You need to not. Yeah, yeah you need to because you're not going to win a championship just because you have DK Metcalf. No, no, you need other pieces around DK Metcalf. I was going to say that in the first two rounds, you want to be drafting guys that you know you're not going to sit on any given week. Third round is when you could start tinkering and and maybe you would have them sit certain weeks. If you can get DK Metcalf top of the third round, I think it's worth it. If you're taking him back into the second, I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I agree on that. All right, so what are we on? We're on uh we're on seven. Yes. My right. my seventh is Al Robinson. All right, my seventh is is AJ Brown. Okay, well, A.J. Brown is, spoiler alert, A.J. Brown is not in my top ten. Yeah, and uh, that's absolutely crazy. I don't know why people are sour, are souring on A.J. Brown. 
I, I really don't understand it. He was fantastic last year. They they come in. They I mean, yeah, Julio's going to take targets away. Understandable. But I think it's going to draw coverage away from A.J. Brown. And, and one of the biggest concerns that I had was that A.J. Brown being by himself, he was going to be double covered a ton. Don't think that's going to happen much anymore now with, now with Julio there. And I think, you know, you can get A.J. Brown at a pretty good price. It's absolutely 100% worth it. I mean, I'd rather take Brown in the second round over Metcalf. A.J. Brown is a guy that I am not going to sit. So I'm going to take Brown. Plain and simple. So I'm going to take him. I'll take him in the second round, and I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. Maybe because that's I'm, an offense that I want to invest in, and I have no problems investing in that offense. Maybe I'm nefariously depressing the price for A.J. Brown so I can get him a at a value. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Well, you are the king of getting AJ Brown at a value. You got him in what the fifth round last year? Yeah, it was pretty fun. I mean, the first two weeks I was like, why Dick the fuck it. did I do this? But then it turned out to be great. Dickhead. Yeah, but Alan Alan Robinson there for you. That's that's a fine spot. I mean, that you could interchange any of them. So all right, number eight. Number eight. I have JJ, guess which JJ it is. It's just Jefferson. Yeah, for, for a second, I thought it was Julio Jones. I was gonna, I, I almost had a stroke before. Uh, my number eight is DK Metcalf, and that is the guy that I had projected in my top 10 but did not rank in my top 10. Justin Jefferson, because for me, for me personally. I think there's regression coming for Justin Jefferson. I don't know what that regression is going to look like. And I just don't want to really be a part of it. And there are people that are going to love Justin Jefferson and rightfully so. He's very, very, very talented, but there's a part of me that says, I don't think he's going to be a 1400 yard receiver again. I think maybe he's an 80 catch guy and the touchdowns might stay the same. Might be a seven catch guy. But I'm not going to rank him in my top 10 when there are just other guys that I think are going to be going cheaper, going for cheaper, that I think could be better than Jefferson. Now, he could be much better than that, and my projections could be very wrong. He could be a 90-95 catch guy. He could give 13-1400 receiver again. He can get 8-9 touchdowns. That's within the realm of possibility. absolutely is. But for me, I'm just not buying into the uh, – the growth of Jefferson in year two after what he did in year one, because there's just, there's just too much risk in terms of expected growth, expected production, where I think it's going to be going in the opposite direction. I think it's it's negative regression that's going to happen with him. I don't want to twist the knife or anything, but I got AJ Brown in the sixth round last year. Fuck you. I was, at, you know, looking at our, at our draft from last year, you know who, how the, listen to the sixth round. And tell me if it doesn't make you want to scream. So from one to 10, T.Y. Hilton, Darren Waller, Terry McLaurin, Devin Singletary, Gronk, D.K. Metcalf, Jarvis Landry, A.J. Brown, Jonathan Taylor, D.J. Chark. Yeah, I'm the asshole. I took Jarvis Landry, wasn't I? Yep, you took Jarvis Landry in between... DK Metcalf. Well, you couldn't have taken DK Metcalf, but DK, it was DK Metcalf, Jarvis Landry, AJ Brown. Moving on, please. It's like the Bruins taking Jake DeBrusque over Matt Barzell. Move the fuck on, Adam. Okay. 
Oh my god, that's awful. Anyway, that's so bad. We all have we all have our mistakes. That's terrible. Anyhow, so uh, Justin Jefferson. The reason I have him in my top ten is explain yourself. I shall. Is that I think that I don't know. I mean, sure, he'll be due for regression because he had like an otherworldly season last year. But I I still think that he's going to be really good. I mean, the Vikings' offense is good. Kind of. It is good. It is good. It is good, but you also – you have two questions. You have the Dalvin Cook question of, you know, they want to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is the number one guy in that offense. Everyone knows it. And the number two question is the Callan Mond question. What happens if Callan Mond takes over? Does that hurt Jefferson in any way? It's a question that has to be asked. I don't think so. I think that Callan Mond, if he comes in, you know, I think he's going to he's going to be made even more comfortable having two guys in basically he's three security blankets, four security blankets. He has Dalvin Cook. He has Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and to a lesser extent, Irv Smith Jr. Oh, Irv Smith. Irv Smith, what a guy. Yeah. Sour on him a little bit too. A little bit. But I think I still think that, Jay, that Justin Jefferson is going to have a good year. What's your definition of good year? Um, Do you think 1,400 yards does, – does he achieve 1,400 yards again? I don't think so. I think does he – Does he achieve 1,300 yards? Yes. Okay. So you're calling for slight regression. Slight regression. Okay. 1,300 yards. So Fantasy Pros is projecting 93 catches, 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns. That's basically what I just said. Rounding That's up. like the high end. Yeah. The high end for me. In my in my head, that's that that is what I see as the high end for Justin Jefferson. I don't I don't see him being a 100 catch guy unless there's an injury to Adam Thielen. Yep, that's right. Thielen goes down, then Jefferson has a clear pathway to being a 100 catch guy. Which then drafting him at number six, number seven, number eight looks great. So he'll probably be a top four, top five guy. All right, number nine. This is also where it gets interesting. Uh, Terry McLaurin, you have at number nine. Yep. And I have Michael Thomas at number nine. Very simple for Terry McLaurin. Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's true. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, we saw what Ryan Fitzpatrick did for Devontae Parker. I think that is going to be much of what is in store for Terry McLaurin. And I, I, he's super talented as it is. I mean, the guy produced with Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, with all due respect to Alex Smith, maybe not all due respect to Dwayne Haskins, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably the best quarterback that Terry McLaurin is going to play with so far in his NFL career. There really isn't too much due respect to, to Dwayne Haskins at this point. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, uh, Terry McLaurin is, is going to be – uh, terrific. His schedule is fantastic as well. Going up against the the Giants, where you know he's had relative success against Bradbury. Going against the Eagles, where he's had relative success against Slay, and then going up against Dallas, where Dallas really does not have anybody of significant note in their secondary. So that's six matchups right there, where you could really see McLaurin having 
pretty good success. Um, you know, I think McLaurin is probably a 90 catch guy to the tune of about 1200 yards. And I think he's about six, seven touchdowns. That's the thing. That's the thing that kind of hurts McLaurin is, is the touchdowns. That's what kind of hurts him. But I think, I think he'll be fine. I think there's the big play that he, the big playability that he provides is what uh, really, really, really helps him. I agree. I think that that if there's any close tiebreakers for me, it's touchdowns. Just because, yeah. 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 Because touchdowns are, are worth six points. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I see it with Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, I think has more touchdown upside, but I don't know if he has more big play upside. Well, I should rephrase. Thomas has more big play upside. If it's Jameis, if it's Taysom Hill, I think he has more intermediate, short upside where he'll be very, very good in terms of his receptions. Listen, all the yards count the same, regardless if it's a 99, 99 yards is 99 yards. It doesn't matter if it happened on one play. Correct. That's a hundred percent right. hundred percent right. Dead on. Um, so yeah, Michael Thomas is another one of those that's interesting because of the quarterback situation in New Orleans. Yeah, he's my he's my number ten. Yeah, he's my number ten, and you know, for me, for me, there's a real possibility that could be low for Michael Thomas. I I genuinely believe that 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 could be kind of on the on the low end. Well, the crazy thing about Michael Thomas is that you know, last year you were one of the many people that were saying, "I'm I'm going to draft Michael Thomas." at third overall and nobody's going to stop me or in some of your drafts you say you were going to draft him at one overall and nobody's going to stop me and then yeah, that was that was until i got some common sense and said it was mccaffrey right but i think that you know he had all of the hype in the world and then he was injured he was a combination of being injured and also being a dick to his teammates yeah so no, it was an awful year for Thomas all around. Yeah, and this is this he, it's ba- it's bounced back written all over him. And who's who's your number ten? My number ten is Keenan Allen. Yeah, I mean, love Keenan Allen. Keenan, Keenan was another one of those guys that I did have as a uh, as a top ten guy that I did rank outside the top ten, but he's my number eleven. Was that, that the one? Sense. Was that the guy that you were talking no, about? No, the guy was Justin Jefferson. Okay. Because that's a bit more controversial. I think people ranking Keenan Allen outside the top 10 isn't as controversial. I I see that. But he's a top 12 guy. He's a top 12 guy for me through and through. And yeah, Keenan Allen is going to be terrific. So. You know, I like Michael Thomas, but you like you look at his stats from 2020 and it's just like he just morphed into a different player. It's actually ridiculous. Yeah. In seven games, he had 438 yards on on 40 catches and not a single touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Not one. A disaster. Disaster. But, but yeah, he has bounce back written all over him, like you said. He does. He absolutely does. And those are the receivers, baby. Yep. All right, let's give out some superlatives, shall we? Let's do it. Um, well, you answered one, the one big one is, uh, are there any receivers outside your top 10 that you would easily put in to your top 10? Keenan Allen. 
Yeah. Keenan Allen and Jefferson to an extent. For me, it's Brown and McLaurin. Okay. Uh, that's very fair. Are there any receivers in your top 10 that you think will not be in your top 10 by season's end? Um, I have to pick one. Yeah, that's, that's how it works. Uh, AJ Brown. Interesting. Explain yourself. Because of Julio. Because of Julio? Yeah. The Julio factor. Yeah. If he's, if he's splitting with Julio, that's a problem. Because the difference, you know, you have everyone, every one of my guys in the top 10. Hill has, Hill is Kelsey, but outside of that, he has nobody else. Adams, nobody else. Diggs, nobody else. Ridley, nobody else. Robinson, nobody else. Hopkins, nobody else. Brown, Jones. Metcalf has Lockett to an extent. McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, but not really. Nobody else, kind of. And Michael Thomas, nobody else. Yeah. Brown is the only guy with serious competition for targets. So that's the guy that I think, uh, you know, if I had to pick one that would finish outside the top 10, it's it's Brown. Okay. For me, I think, I mean, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, I think it would it would be Adams. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the easy that's one. Easy. If, if Rodgers is not there, then yeah, Adams. But if if all things are equal, if what we know now is how the season is, I think I would probably say Michael Thomas. Okay. Hey, that's, that's not controversial. No. That's not controversial is, at all. Here, one more for you. Sure. Is there a player that you ranked – from six to 10 that could vault their way into the top five or who is the most likely of your players who are ranked six to 10 that can vault into the top five McLaurin. All right. McLaurin. The Fitzpatrick factor. Well, Hopkins too. I think Hopkins is the easy, is the easy one, but yeah, I'm going to go with McLaurin. I mean, I have a lot of options for my, for me. I mean, I could definitely go with Allen Robinson here. Um, DK Metcalf. I think I'm going to go with Allen Robinson. I I love it. I have no problem yeah. with that. Great guy. Love him. Love him. Do you have any questions for me? Any uh, superlative questions? I think you covered all the ones that I want to talk about. Okay, that works. I was, I was going to ask you the 6 to 10 question. That's what I was going to ask you, but you, you beat me to it. So There you go. We're, tech, we're telekinetically linked. So there is some uh, some news here um, before we before we sign off. Um, the Mets have started conversations with the Minnesota Twins for Josh Donaldson. That would be fascinating. That'd be awful. That would be the Mets would so be even weird. more hateable. So weird. The Mets Josh would be Donaldson. even more hateable. Josh Donaldson, who played for the Braves, that's the guy. Uh, that's that guy. Can we just trade for? Oh my God. Yeah. If JD Davis isn't going to come back for like, I I even know what's going on with JD Davis. Then yeah. We need a third baseman. You do very badly. Doesn't know how to, doesn't know that you can just touch third on a force out. (laughs) Apparently. And let, and let uh, the Braves walk, get a walk off single. True. 
You could just touch third. You could you could just touch third, Luis. Just touch third. Ay, caramba. Well, well, that is it. That's all she wrote. Actually, I'm I'm doing the uh, Twins Royals game tonight for work, and I'm not looking forward to it. Oh, baby. J. A. Happ, your boy. God. Versus Brady Singer. Ugh. That's horrible. Kansas City, who just got destroyed 15 to 1 by the Red Sox yesterday. Yes, they did. That happened. Um, anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Fantasy Show wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, follow us for updates when we release new episodes. And next week, we're going to be doing a show about tight ends. Cannot wait. We Cannot wait. Very excited. For my co-host at Birdsall, I'm Adam Castor, and we will talk to you next time on the Basic Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.